everybody. The Throne Podcast. We are back. Episode 127 here in the studio. A bit of a different episode today. It's just going to be me here talking about some things that I wanted to uh, go over on the show. Haven't had the chance to. Uh, So basically, I'm here and uh, just wanted to, like I said, go over some things. Uh, And I might do these maybe once a month, uh, just depending on how, how soon I can consistently get the ball rolling again on different guests coming in. Um, I've done one of these before. It was pretty fun. I got to go over a few things, uh, that I don't normally get to talk about because mostly with guests, it's more so me interviewing them and talking about their projects and what they got going on. So I rarely, unless I interview like my own bandmates, you know, get to talk about uh, what we're doing here uh, or what I'm doing with my music and stuff like that. So it gives me a chance to go over that kind of stuff. Uh, but also, you know, I, I wanted to talk about a few albums that I don't really, like I said, get to talk about with some guests because it's always talking about their stuff. Um, but first and foremost, um, I want to thank Dominic Delaney again for coming through the last episode 126. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Uh, he was talking about his new album, The Marrow in My Bones. By the time you're here in this episode, it already came out uh, on September 17th. And uh, at this point, actually, we got a sneak preview song off of it at the end of the last episode, um, Chubby. So definitely thank you to him for giving us that exclusive uh, sneak preview to his album. But, you know, being able to listen to the full thing now, uh, just wanted to say congratulations uh, to Dominic uh, for his first album under his new label, Interstate. You know, it it was a a really fun listen. I liked a lot of the songs on there. Obviously, Chubby was a a good one, but he told me I I would like... um, what's the song called sad songs and uh when that came on you know i was i was looking forward to that and it did not disappoint the whole album it did not disappoint man so just wanted to give him a big congratulations uh i wish i could have made it out to the release party but um yeah man uh if you haven't listened to that album go check it out for sure and listen to last week's uh or last episode so you can get kind of an idea of some of the things that inspired him to make it some of the behind the scenes process on making it and how it came together um dominic's always a, a cool guest he's uh got a tour that he's gonna do with the album and whatnot i'm assuming uh so definitely keep in touch and follow him on socials uh always have fun talking to him but one thing that i heard about today uh actually which i was uh, surprised about uh i'm not sure at what festival it was at uh let me see what festival it was at At Riot Fest, apparently, I was just looking for some some shit going through here, scrolling, you know, through Instagram, and I see that Machine Gun Kelly was talking shit about Slipknot on um, on stage at Riot Fest, uh, something about, you know, not wanting to be some old guy wearing a mask or whatever, and uh, I don't know, man, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know why the fuck he would come out and say some weird shit like that, I mean, if you guys are playing the same festival, uh, you know, I don't see why you need to throw shade at somebody else. Maybe there's something behind the scenes. I think so, I like glanced through an article about it where apparently uh, Corey Taylor said something about Machine Gun Kelly. So in a in like a podcast or some kind of interview where he kind of took a shot at him without saying any names. I don't know the exact quote. Um but I guess if he took it personally and, and he felt like it was about him. But it's kind of weird because they had said that that interview or that podcast that Corey Taylor did happened all the way back in February. So uh, for this dude to, you know, out of nowhere, all the way now in September to do that <laughs> in a public setting uh, is kind of weird. 
Uh, they were playing, I think, the same time slot, just different stages, or one was playing right, right after the other. Probably Slipknot closing, let's be honest here. Machine Gun Kelly is not closing after Slipknot. <laughs> I don't know uh, how many people could beat a Slipknot stage show, you know? No disrespect to, to MGK or whatever. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his music, but it just kind of came out of left field to me. I don't understand, especially someone who... I mean, I would assume he listens to a little bit of rock or metal or something because he just dropped a, like an alternative or a punk, whatever you want to call it, type album. So, you know, he was probably inspired by somebody. And you got to imagine Slipknot, he's probably heard a few songs here and there. I mean, anyone who listens to rock or metal or some heavier shit, there's a very high chance that they like at least one or two Slipknot songs. Um, and they're... They've always seemed like cool guys, you know. Uh, obviously, we had recently the passing of Joey Jordison, their original drummer. So even the timing of it seems a little suspect. It just seems weird. Uh, I guess that's not too 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 out of character for MGK because, you know, this is the same guy who threw a random diss track to Eminem and then got slaughtered uh, not, too, not too long after. Uh, so clearly, he likes to talk shit to, to get attention and get the people talking. And I guess it works, you know. Uh, clearly, you know, there's being articles being written about it, I think, on Rolling Stone, Metal Injection, probably uh, most, uh, you know, Pitchfork and shit like that, I'm sure. So clearly the tactic works. And then that's not even uh, too far removed from him getting into some kind of scrap with Conor McGregor at some uh, red carpet type thing. I don't know, man. Uh, if you're if you're a fan of MGK's music... Uh, you know, let me know what's going on with him, man. It seems like every other week he's starting something with somebody, you know, whether it's uh, Eminem a couple years back or Conor McGregor or, you know, now uh, Slipknot. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's just starting shit for no reason. I like Slipknot. I actually was supposed to see Slipknot uh, last year in June. They were doing like a Not Fest tour type thing. It was a Day to Remember, Slipknot, Gojira, like a really solid lineup. And uh, obviously with the whole COVID situation that uh, got canned. Uh, so hopefully they make it uh, back here. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was really weird. I don't even know if they're going to respond. I mean, if Corey Taylor really did feel that strongly about um, MGK or whatever when he was doing that interview, he probably would have named him. I don't think Slipknot or, or I guess not Slipknot, but Corey Taylor specifically, he doesn't seem like the type to just like if he wants to if he wanted to mention him, he probably would have. Uh, from from all the, the years that I've been following Slipknot, Corey Taylor, Stone Sour, he, he doesn't seem like uh, he's he's one to mince words. Like He seems like he would say what's on his mind. Uh, so I don't know. I think MGK kind of just took it personally, whatever comment it was he made. It was something along the lines of there's somebody who failed in one genre and now wants to jump on the rock bandwagon or some shit like that, and he, like, and he knows who he is. So... He was alluding to somebody, and like I said, MGK, who's primarily known for rapping, recently dropped like an alternative punk-type album, so I guess if the shoe fits, you know what I mean? But hopefully, uh, you know, it, it, nothing stupid comes of it, and it's just a one-off type thing. It seems really fucking random for her, uh, for Machine Gun Kelly to, to come out and start talking shit about Slipknot. It's like two completely different worlds of, of music, one, and like of musicianship, another. And, uh, yeah, just came out of nowhere. Um, and, and the mask thing, uh, whatever he said, something about being 50-year-old and wearing a mask or whatever. I mean, everyone has their gimmick. Uh, Guar has their gimmick. Uh, even Machine Gun Kelly has his gimmick, man. The tattoos and the this and the that. 
It's all a gimmick, man. It's all a gimmick. So you you can point out a lot of shit about a lot of people and say it's corny or whatever. It's fucking silly at the end of the day. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Machine Gun Kelly. I'd rather, definitely rather be at the Slipknot <laughs> show. If I was there, I'd be watching Slipknot, not MGK. That's for sure. Um, but a couple other things. Obviously, football is back. I'm not a, I wasn't a huge football guy a couple of years ago. And it's, I don't really talk sports too often on the show, but that's because I got guests here and I got to talk to them. And obviously, uh, I love having guests. Don't get me wrong. That's how the show's gotten this long. But I do like sports. I have interest outside of music, you know? So, um, basically, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Kansas City fan, and uh, they just uh, lost to the Ravens last night, Sunday Night Football, by one point. That was a crazy fucking game. It starts with a pick six from Honey Badger over on the Kansas City Chiefs. He runs it all the way back. So you think it's going to be, you know, grass is green, everything's looking good, and some way, somehow, man, they just, uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson uh, just running the ball all over Kansas City. Uh, we do a, a a pool, like a, a football pool at work, too. So I put in some money. I bet on, I picked who I thought was going to win. So I actually had money on the line and shit. It was a really disappointing football Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it was a great game, man. But the fact that Kansas City lost the way they did, it was just terrible, man. Um, so that was uh, that was sad. A sad way to end the Sunday. But, you know, if you, if you started the day, I believe the, the Tampa game was at 1 o'clock. And they uh, mudded the Falcons like <laughs> they mud. I think the ending score was forty-eight to twenty-five. Tom Brady threw five touchdowns. It's crazy how that man is still playing. I mean, he's playing better almost. You could argue than when he was younger. And he's forty-four. Uh, I can't think of of many people that can get up to the age of forty-four in a sport like football. You know, it's a contact sport. And play at a high level. I mean, he's coming off a Super Bowl. Uh, he just won one. <laughs> he's got seven. And uh, I think he's won two in his 40s. He, the one that he won with uh, uh, New England uh, against uh, the Los Angeles Rams, I believe he was like 41 or 42. So he's won two Super Bowl in his 40s, man. This guy is is a beast. And, and the team, they brought everyone back. So I really think... A lot of people uh, that I talk to that watch football, you know, my friends, my coworkers, I, I say it's going to be a, a Super Bowl rematch this year. I think Tampa Bay is going to make it back. I don't see too much competition for them in the NFC. And I think uh, Kansas City, you know, there's going to be people who have their doubts after them losing the game to Baltimore. But that's just one game. They're only one and one. The, the division is, is, is pretty crazy, seeing as how uh, Denver is 2-0 and and the Raiders are 2-0. and uh, Definitely didn't expect that, I'll tell you that. Uh, I didn't expect to be third in the table. <laughs> uh, I think the Chargers are 1-1, one and one, and we're 1-1. One and one. So to be tied with the Chargers for fourth or third after week two, that's not what I expected. But um, it is football, like they say, any given Sunday. But I really do think it's going to be a, a, a rematch in the Super Bowl. Kansas City versus Tampa Bay again. I don't know who's going to take it. I, I want Kansas City to do it. But Tom Brady being who Tom Brady is, he's the GOAT. I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to put it. Every time that Mahomes has had to face him in the playoffs, it has not been good. I mean... I think the time before the Super Bowl last year, it was uh, 
it was an AFC title game when he was still in New England. It was on his way to his sixth Super Bowl. Uh, it was an AFC title game. It was in Arrowhead. It was cold as shit. And Tom Brady fucking, they took it to overtime. Tom Brady converted three thir- third and tens in a row to clinch that in overtime. Just they, they didn't even get to touch the ball. Kansas City didn't even get to touch the ball because all they did was need one score without giving the ball up, and they win. So, uh, And then the time they faced after that was obviously the Super Bowl last year in Tampa Bay, and that ended the way it ended. Mahomes didn't even throw for one touchdown. Um, so it's almost uh, it's almost like this is a, a a a hurdle that he he has yet to overcome. I mean, it's not almost that it is that, uh, but will is is he unable to? I don't know, I don't know. I don't think so because they played each other in the regular season, and Mahomes and and Kansas City beat the brakes off of the Bucks uh, in the regular season. I think that Tom Brady is just someone who in the I mean. Not that he's not capable of losing in the Super Bowl. We've seen it happen. You know, he lost to Nick Foles. But he's just a motherfucker, man. At the end of the day, if he wants to turn it on, he could turn it on. And um, and I'm glad that I'm going to be uh, in Tampa Bay <laughs> uh, on October 10th to, to see him play the Dolphins. I've never gotten to see Tom Brady play in real life for the fucking 19 or 20 years that he was in our division playing Miami twice a year. I never got to see him uh, play. I never went to a football game till last year when Kansas City came down here to play Miami. So uh, I'm very excited to see the GOAT. Uh, he's he's going to be coming off a Super Bowl, so they're defending champs. Last year I saw Kansas City off their Super Bowl. They were defending champs. So it's always exciting to to see a team that, that won a title. And like I said, they pretty much brought everyone back as far as the starters go. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. It's a road trip. I'm going to be uh, seeing a new stadium in Tampa Bay. And then in November, I'm going to Kansas City to see Green Bay versus uh, the Chiefs in uh, in Arrowhead. So I'm super fucking excited. It's the first time I go to Missouri, first time I'm in Kansas City. Uh, it's going to be the first time I, I do a lot of things. First time at Arrowhead Stadium. You know, uh, first time seeing Aaron Rodgers, too. I've never seen Aaron Rodgers. And this is going to be his last season in Green Bay, it looks like. Maybe not his last season overall, but definitely looking like his last season in Green Bay. So I'm super excited. And then, totally forgot, in between that, there's Three Points Festival, which uh, I have VIP tickets for that I bought like two years ago at this point. (laughs) I mean, I bought it probably, um, shit, probably beginning of 2020, like uh, January, February of 2020. Uh, it feels like two years. It's kind of crazy, but no, uh, just a little over a year ago and they kept postponing it, kept postponing it. I'm thinking this shit's just going to get canceled at a certain point, but no, it's finally happening this October and, um, the strokes are headlining one day and the Wu-Tang Clan's headlining the other day. I'm so fucking stoked. I cannot fucking wait. I saw the strokes one time before. Um, in, in Brooklyn at Barclays Center with Mac DeMarco opening. It was an awesome, awesome show. So this is going to be the second time I get to see them in VIP. I had VIP tickets to see them at Governor's Ball, and we all know how that went. Fucking awful. So uh, I'm super excited. I have the Tampa Bay-Miami game in Tampa. Then I got three points down here, VIP, Wu-Tang Clan, the Strokes. Thundercat's going to be there. I'm, you know, it's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, and then the, the Kansas City-Green Bay game in November. And then, uh, you know, 
after that, I'm probably going to chill for a bit. Not much going on. I definitely want to get back to playing live shows, which is something that I wanted to talk about here. Um, the EP is done. Uh, as far as I know, the, the tracks are uploaded to our drive. I, we just got to give them a once over. Like we mix everything, do everything in house. They just did some final touches that they being Brian and Alex, uh, on our EP. And, um, I got to give it the once over, uh, make sure everything's good. We, you know, we obviously listen to and take notes and adjust things as the feedback comes in. And, uh, basically, uh, I'm just, I'm just excited, man. It's definitely coming before the end of the year. Um, we have a name for it. We have the title, uh, cover, the cover art. Um, and I'm excited, man. I'm super excited. Um, it should be out, like I said, probably way sooner than you think. I don't know if I'm going to drop any previews. I think, uh, I, I kind of want to let the EP speak for itself. And, uh, hopefully with that, we can, uh, start, uh, getting on the road and, uh, promoting it, doing shows, getting, uh, in front of a new crowd. You know, we played the metal circuit for a long time, almost, almost five years. I mean, take away COVID and, uh, yeah, almost five years. Um, and, um, we played around the same bands, you know what I mean? Like Eras One, Macronium, Born Beneath, uh, Revolution, Thousands of Pounds of Thrust. It was a very tight knit community and, um, I miss it a lot, man. So I can't wait to to get on, on, on the road and start playing shows again with, uh, my friends. Hopefully I can play with them. Uh, it's, it's a different type of music, so I wouldn't mind getting in front of a new crowd either. Um, I'm just excited. Uh, if you have, uh, any shows that you're putting on, you might need an extra band. Definitely give me a, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm definitely, uh, excited to get back on stage. So if you have any, any shows that you're doing, you might need a little extra help, extra band, extra anything. Definitely. Uh, let me know. Um, but that leads me into another conversation of another band's EP. We talked about Dominic Delaney. I talked about a little bit of mine. We have that name. I don't know if I'm going to reveal it at the end of the episode or not, but we have the name, uh, but also my brothers and here is one Ralph. Now Alex is in there. Joe Lucha and Andy love those guys. Uh, they're releasing a new album. I would call it an album. I, I Maybe they would call it an EP. I'm not sure, but uh, let's call it a project. They're releasing a new project, Digital Neon, very, very soon. I actually, uh, when I saw them, I talked about it very briefly, I think with Malik, uh, not with Malik, with Lennon. Uh, when I saw them at their showcase, oh, not with Lennon, because it didn't happen yet. Uh, probably with Dominic then. But when I saw them at their showcase, they played their, their, uh, their project, Digital Neon, track for track in full. And uh, I really, really liked what I heard. Uh, the crowd was really into it. I mean, they they played like a triple encore. It seemed uh, at the end of the the set, you know, they were like, "All right, cool, we're done." And the people were like, "Nah!" Like they had played a layer of sets throughout the night, so it was like set one. I missed it. I hadn't gotten there yet. Then when I got there, it was a stand up comic doing some some uh, stand up, and uh, then they played their second set, a little more comedy, and then their third set. And the third set was when they played the EP and then they played an encore and then another encore and then another encore and then that was it. But uh, it was the energy in there was phenomenal, man. You had people going on stage to headbang with the band. There was this dude who took his shirt off and started <laughs> started waving it around and moshing. I mean, dude was stacked. I mean, just, uh, just fucking roided up and looked like just fucking 
swinging his shirt around. I mean, he looked like he was having a great time, but uh, definitely Iris one knows how to throw a party. Oh, they also had, I thought this was a really fucking cool uh, idea. And I told Ralph, whoever came up with it, I mean, whether it was Andy Lucha or, or Emilio, the people who are, who are hosting uh, these shows at their lounge, I don't know whose fucking idea it was, but they had cocktails there that were based on Ears One songs. So they had cocktails where the name of the cocktails was the name of an Ears One song. And they had three different cocktails, I believe. They were all five bucks. I had one called The Shipwrecked because that's off their <clears throat> first EP, uh, Breaking Out, I believe. And... Uh, it was like rum and, and jupina, which is pineapple soda for you white folks. And uh, it was fucking delicious, man. Like, I couldn't get enough of this fucking shipwreck. They had some other stuff, uh, Poison Rampage and, and something else, I believe. I can't remember off top. But I thought it was a phenomenal idea. It got drinks moving. They had cool shirts that kind of fit the vibe. They had a pineapple on the shirt. They had a pineapple soda, uh, you know, cocktail. So it was all kind of like in theme, all the flavor was there, you know, the flavor, the lore, it all matched up. And then you throw on top of it a great stage show and a great stage presence on a small stage, mind you. It was once a five-person band. Ralph recently, within the last six months, had back surgery. Um, so this is no joke. Like, for him to be out there headbanging and stomping and putting on a show... Uh, I truly commend them, and I'm excited for, for their EP, their album, their project, whatever you want to call it. Every time they put something out, it does not disappoint. That's what I'll say. If you're a, a, a listener of metal music, of heavy metal music, of rock music, whatever, check out Eras 1. Um, every time, like I said, they put out a record, it's fucking phenomenal. You got um, uh, The Passage. Which I, I remember, I think that was the first time they told me they were going to the studio and shit. And I don't know if the first, first time, but first time like that it was like a profession. I remember they had like the studio videos and stuff that were coming out at the time. It was really well done. Joe was always killing it on the drums. And uh, obviously their EP breaking out is great too. I mean, that's uh, how I, I was introduced to their music. I don't know if it was already out yet, but they were definitely playing that material when I, when I first saw them in, in concert. Uh, it's just cool seeing your friends putting out dope music, you know. Um, it's really cool. I, I really dig it. And it, 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 it allows me to, to promote them and to listen to something that's not, um, like, not someone that I know. It's cool when, like, you can put on a record and be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy, you know. I, I know a little bit about the song or, or I was there when they recorded it or something like that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Like, as much as I like, uh, you know, commercial artists and, and artists who are get national recognition, you know, you can always depend on them to put out some good music. But it's always cool when, when your friends and people that you know personally and you've watched mature as artists put out a record that they're proud of and you vibe with it, you know, and you listen to it multiple times without even them telling you. You just find yourself listening to it again, you know. It's always dope. Like, um, and I, I'll say this: uh, all the records that have come out this year. There's, I'll tell you what I've been listening to recently. Uh, obviously, I've been listening to Donda. Uh, I talked about it a little bit with Lennon, the whole rollout. But I really like the album, man. A lot of people give it flack. Uh, they say it's too long. It definitely is too long. 
uh, I could do without the part twos of certain songs. Um, I think Jail, uh, this, I'm not going to say anything that probably hasn't been said a million times, but I think Jail, the the baby verse and all that, and the Jay-Z verse, you could have put that all in one song. Um, same thing with the Jay Electronica and the Locks song. That could have been one song too. Granted, it would have been long as shit. But whatever. I mean, the part two is long as shit anyway. It's like 11 minutes, so I don't see why not. That should have just been the regular version. Uh, little things like that. There were, there, I mean, the the I had, I had versions of the album before it even came out. So, I had the first listening party. Then I had when the third listening party came out. I watched it live, and then the next day I found really high quality rips on Reddit of all three. So I went listening through and listening to the uh, the evolution and the progression of the album. Like when he did Hurricane the first time, he didn't have the weekend on the hook. It sounded like he just had himself or somebody else really heavily drowned in the autotune. And it definitely gave the song a different feel, you know. Uh, but you could feel that the melody was there. Like it definitely didn't sound as good as the weekend doing it, but the melody was there. And that's how some, for the most part, that's how the song sounded, the first listening party. They sounded like it was good ideas, but you could tell they weren't uh, done yet. Grab some water real quick. Yeah, so it was a good idea. The good ideas were there, but you could tell they weren't refined yet. They weren't polished. By the second, I mean, granted, there were a few songs that did sound finished. That was what I was going to say. There is one version of a song that I like the best from the first listening party. And that's going to be Praise God. The one with uh, Travis Scott. I don't know if anyone else is on there, but for sure Travis Scott. Oh, and Baby Keem. The version from the first listening party, if, if, if you've listened to it, you know what I'm talking about. The version from the first listening party has this like barbershop quartet sample for the intro. And then uh, it cuts straight to the beat. And the drop, the bass, and everything, I mean, it's just... And then you get Travis Scott coming in with the intro. He just... He snapped on that. Um, and it just... It it hit way harder, that version of it, I think, than the version that was on the actual release of the album. And I think it's because some, some of the beat switch-ups that he did. Like, when it comes... First of all, he switched the intro instead of the barbershop quartet, um, like, sample type thing. It was, you know, an intro of his mom talking, which is fine. You know, the album's called Donda, I respect it, whatever. But the Barbershop Quartet sample just sounded way doper into the drop. And then the drop itself wasn't even as hard. It, it kind of just made it like a one-two. Instead of uh, having the whole beat come in, he kind of had like a little bit of it come in and then had the hi-hat slowly roll in. I don't know. I like the way he did it. It's hard to explain uh, on the first one. And that, that can be said for a couple of tracks. Like, uh, I think the song remote he took kid cuddy off of one version and i think that's the best version the one with kid cuddy on it so there were things that happened that i didn't think made too much sense but at the end of the day there the highs of the album are really really high come to life the pianos are incredible i think the choir on 24 the choir the the gospel elements the the organs on 24 also kanye's voice I thought Kanye sung really well, even though I've heard people say they didn't like his singing. I personally really enjoyed it on 24. Um, uh, Keep My Spirit Alive, another fucking great, great uh, uh, vocal melody from the feature. 
I don't know who's doing that. Uh, Vori on a couple of songs did great. No Child Left Behind. Uh, Jonah. That's a song, too. Before he added the, the beep boop, the fucking snare, with, that just sounds like a beep. Uh, it didn't have drums. It was just kind of ominous, you know? And I think that version of, of Jonah sounded a lot better than the final product on the record. I can go over, um, I mean, almost every song. Uh, Moon is fantastic. I'm glad he kept Cuddy on that one, thank God. But he really should have kept him on remote. Um, a lot of people didn't like his verses. I understand people saying like some of the lines were corny. Or, um, you know, it wasn't some of his best bars. Some of it was kind of just weird or him just making noises. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But at the same time, that's not, uh, there's other elements to the music that I can appreciate more than just the bars, you know. Uh, so, and that's definitely the production. Like I said, I liked the organs that were on, on, uh, 24, but not only 24, a lot of the record has a lot of organs and it all works. It all just works. Um, other than that, I've been listening to, uh, call me if you get lost. I still think call me if you get lost is the best album of the year so far. I know a, a few people have uh Jay Cole's album that came out early in the year as a uh, album of the year, as far as rap goes. But, um, I just think Call Me If You Get Lost, the whole picture that that album painted, and I think that's what Tyler does best, really, is these concept albums, where each album, it, maybe it doesn't have a story, but it has an idea, and, and they flow through all the tracks, that kind of central theme, whatever it is, you know. Call Me If You Get Lost, I mean, he's pretty much flossing the whole album, you know, flexing his shit, but also the, the underlying story of uh, him wanting someone's girlfriend and stuff like that, like <laughs> wanting somebody that's in a relationship currently and some of the themes that that entails. But on top of that, he had an amazing Lil Wayne feature. Like, I'm not a huge Wayne fan. I'm not going to be, you know, uh, exaggeratory or anything. I'm not a huge Wayne fan, but... When he's on, he's on, and on uh, Hot Wind Blows, he I think that's one of his best verses uh, in a long time. Also, Pharrell, he has Pharrell going crazy. A little Uzi Vert went off on that same song, I believe, that's, that's Uzi. Uh, just everyone that was featured on there did really, really well, uh, and he always seems to get the best out of his features, uh, even on Igor. You got an interesting uh, feature from Kanye. You got an interesting uh, feature from Playboy Cardi. He always does something cool with his features. So I, I still think uh, Call Me If You Get Lost, that's something I'm still listening to. I still think that's album of the year. I'm hoping Mac DeMarco drops something soon. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Kendrick Lamar drops something. I definitely think that uh, when, when they drop... Uh, I mean, Mac DeMarco's not making ripples or anything, but I'm just excited to hear some new music from him. I thought Here Comes the Cowboy was good, but it wasn't really what I was expecting. Um, it was really slow. Uh, I was expecting some, hopefully, more stuff, maybe like Two or uh, or Salad Days. But I respect his transition, uh, or not his transition, his, his evolution as an artist, you know. They're not always going to put out exactly what you want to hear. But like I said, I thought it was a good album. It just, uh, it was a little slow for me. Uh, it's not really the album that I catch myself going back to when I say, oh, I want to listen to some Mac DeMarco. I'll usually put on two, uh, This Old Dog, Salad Days, 
anything like that is what I find myself going back to. Even his first album, um, uh, what's that song called? Uh, European Vegas, Rock and Roll Nightclub. Um, she's got blue jeans or some shit like that. Baby's got blue jeans. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but there's a couple songs, even on the first album, that I still find myself going back to. But here comes the cowboy. Uh, yeah, I can't tell you the last time I listened to that record. Um, like I said, not that it's bad. It's just, it's a little slow and I don't catch myself going back to it often, but that's pretty much it. Um, what else have I been listening to? Uh, oh, the vaccines. I love the vaccines. Um, their first record in particular, I think it's, what did you expect from the vaccines? I think that's the name of it, but they have great songs on there. Uh, it's an old record came out like 2011, 2010, but I listened to that a lot. I listen to... Uh, a lot of Frank Ocean right now. A uh, little bit of little bit of Drake. Not gonna lie, the Dark Lane demo tapes. I've been I've been uh, really bumping that hard. I really like Dark Lane demo tapes. I thought it was way better than uh, his his latest album, than uh, Certified Lover Boy. But uh, yeah, nothing that that album. So there's nothing really to talk about. It's a Drake album. It sounds like any other Drake album, um, but just not as good. That's that's pretty much how I feel about it. Uh, other than that, uh, I'll, I'll announce the name of the EP. The name of the EP, by the Turning Gears, Turning Gears, is called Inertia. So I'm super excited to, to drop this. It's new music, um, definitely different than Unoya, definitely a different vibe. Um, and it, it all kind of has a central theme that most of the songs revolve around and um I'm gonna get Alex at least maybe Brian's you know Brian's a little busy these days but for sure get Alex in here for a podcast so we could talk about the music and and how it came about um either before it drops or after that way people have some context because if we're just talking about songs that you've never heard it's a little harder versus you can go and listen to the song and then listen to the episode and be like oh okay I understand what this song means or what that song means but um other than that I think that just about uh, wraps up this short episode. I like to keep the solo episodes around half an hour. You know, it's a little easier to keep the topics in line. It uh, doesn't doesn't get too boring just hearing one person talk. I'm no Bill Burr. I can't carry this for an hour. But I can do a, a decent 30 minutes. <laughs> um, I really appreciate if you guys are listening to this episode. It really uh, means a lot to me. Still keeping the show rolling. I am working on booking guests. Um, just a harder process than it was in the past, you know. Got to get back out there and ner- uh, got to get back out there and network uh, to local shows. Uh, I got to get out to Las Rosas. They're starting to do some stuff. Um, that's it. Just got to get back out there. But in the meantime, I will do the solo episodes as needed, and hopefully, you guys find them entertaining. Um, uh, like I said, if you need a band, uh, you have a, a show you're putting on, you want an extra band or something like that, hit me up. If you want to get on the show for an interview, hit me up on Instagram at the underscore throne underscore podcast. Or you could shoot me an email at thethronejc at gmail.com. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Hit me up if you want to be on the show. Hit me up if you need a band for your show. Um, and also hit me up... Uh, Just hit me up. (laughs) Uh, Peace. Thank you guys for listening again.